Much of the history of President Franklin Delano Roosevelt was predominated by his wartime speeches. Many historians believe that Roosevelt's greatest speech was made 11 months before Pearl Harbor on January the 6th, 1941, in which the president outlined four freedoms people everywhere in the world should enjoy. Freedom of speech, freedom of worship, freedom from want, and freedom from fear. Two years later, to help the war bond effort, Norman Rockwell painted four scenes picturing these basic freedoms. Friend, I would say to you that all four of those freedoms are indeed precious. But the Bible reveals a fifth freedom that every person should have, and that is spiritual freedom. Freedom from the bondage of sin. The only way to enjoy spiritual freedom is through grace, through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here in Paul's letter to the Galatians, Paul has laid out the great truth of liberty in Christ. Because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, we are set free from the bondage of sin. When we receive Christ as our personal Savior and Lord. Paul was dealing with a heresy that had come into the church from false teachers called Judaizers. And these men were teaching that people had to be circumcised and had to abide by rules and regulations of the Mosaic law in order to be saved. Well, Paul was combating this view while standing up for the believer's freedom in Christ. And during this study of Galatians, I have tried to warn you, <clears throat> excuse me, about the danger of sliding into the muddy ditch of legalism, living by a set of rules, do's and don'ts. Well, there's another ditch on the other side of the spiritual road, and it's called license. That's the belief that now that I'm saved, now that I have experienced the grace of God in my life is to be lived out continually through the grace of God. Therefore, I'm now free if I'm not uh, uh, obligated to the law, if I'm not in bondage to the law, then it must be that I'm free to live however I want. Wrong. You see, you can get stuck in either ditch. You can get stuck on one side of the road in the ditch of legalism, and you can get stuck on the other side of the road in the ditch of license. I want to encourage you to avoid both ditches and instead stay on the high road of love. Paul says, love is the fulfillment of the law. So here's what the takeaway is this morning as we continue looking at this whole idea of justification by faith um, in the finished work of Christ on the cross. I want to talk this morning about the lifestyle choices of the Christian believer, and there are three. But 
the takeaway is the life of liberty is best lived by love. Well, let's look here. Paul explains three possible lifestyles. If you're a believer, if you're a child of God, then you and I are living one of three lifestyles. The first, and I want you to try and identify which lifestyle fits your life uh, this morning as we go through these. But the first lifestyle that I want us to look at is the lifestyle of legalism. Now look there again in verse 7. The Judaizers were trying to lead the believers in Galatia into legalism. And Paul knew that legalism robs a person of freedom. It prevents progress in the Christian life. Look what he says. He says, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? That word hinder means to cut into a runner's lane. Nobody likes for someone to jump in front of them in line or to cut them off. Maybe you've heard the story about the older lady in her Cadillac who was in a parking lot. She was waiting for a person to back out of a parking space and she had her blinker on and she was waiting patiently to go in, to uh, move into the space as the other car came out. When all of a sudden, a young lady, a young girl in a Volkswagen pulls up and as soon as the other car pulls out, she swings into the parking space. She gets out, smiles at the older lady in the Cadillac and says, that's what you can do when you're young and fast, sister. She kept walking toward the store when she heard a terrible crash. She turned around to see the lady in the Cadillac slamming into her Volkswagen, backing up, slamming into it again and again. The young girl ran back screaming, what are you doing? The old lady rolled down her window, smiled and said, that's what you can do when you're old and rich, sister. (laughs) We don't like people cutting in front of us. It does something to us. Friend, legalism cuts in front of you. Paul says, he he compares the Christian life to running a race. And Paul says legalism is like a runner coming in and jumping right in front of you and tripping you up. Paul says, don't let it do that. Don't let legalism trip you up. Legalism interprets Christianity in terms of what we do or what we don't do. It says, if I'm good today, then God loves me a little bit more. But if I messed up today, then God loves me a little less. Now the problem is, every single day, you and I are on trial. Some days, we feel like we're winning. Other days, we feel like we're losing. But the reality is, for the Christian, the trial is over. Jesus went to court and won the trial for us. The verdict has come down. Innocent. Innocent. Listen, only in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ do you get the verdict before performance. Every other religion... 
The Jews, the Muslim, the Buddhist, the Mormons, the Jehovah Witness, the Catholics. Performance leads to to the verdict. Every day you are in the courtroom. Every day your own trial. And you think that my performance will win me a positive verdict. But in Christianity, the verdict leads to performance. The moment we believe, God says, this is my child in whom I am well pleased. The same thing he said to his son, the Lord Jesus. Or take Romans chapter 8 verse 1, where Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Friend, Jesus went into the courtroom and Jesus faced the trial that should have been ours so that we do not have to face any more trials. The moment we believe God imputes the righteousness of Christ to us and declares us innocent. So now we perform, we live out our lives on the basis of the verdict. We, there's no condemnation. We're innocent. We don't perform to win the verdict. But God accepts me. I do not have to do things to build up my spiritual resume. I don't have to perform in order to look good or to be acceptable to God. I now do what I do for the joy of it. That's the result of grace. Because God has saved us, I want to show God my love and my gratitude by living out a life that is in character with the life of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Friend, legalism can trip up a Christian. It can trip up a church who is running a good race. Don't miss verse 9. Look what Paul says there. In his defense against legalism, he introduces the idea of yeast or leaven. In the Old Testament, leaven was pictured as a symbol of evil. During Passover, no yeast was allowed in the house. Worshippers were not permitted to mix leaven with sacrifices. Yeast is really a good illustration of sin. It's small, but if left alone, it grows. It permeates the whole. The legalism of the Judaizers was introduced to the Galatian church in a small way, but before long, that yeast began to grow, and it eventually took over. I want to give you a warning this morning. The spirit of legalism does not suddenly overpower a church. Like leaven It is introduced secretly and slowly over time it begins to grow until before long it poisons the whole fellowship. And we become puffed up or proud of our spirituality. And then we become critical of everyone else's lack of spirituality. And this only feeds the flesh and grieves the Holy Spirit. But we go on our way thinking we are glorifying God by all the wonderful things that we're doing and all the things we're not doing when all along we are grieving the Holy Spirit of God. Friend, by abandoning grace for a lifestyle of legalism, we land in the ditch. And the only way to get out 
is to purge out the leaven, the legalism, the false doctrine that mixes works and grace. The Bible says, for we are saved by grace, not by works. <clears throat> All right, that's the first choice. You can either continue to abide by legalism, live your life by a list of do's and don'ts, or there's another ditch you can fall into, and that is the lifestyle of license. Now, license is the opposite of legalism. A license gives us authority to do what we're going to do. For instance, we can buy a license to fish or hunt. Um, uh, some people interpret Christian liberty as a license to sin. They reject legalism, but they go so far the other way and slide across the road from legalism into the ditch of license. They say, in Christ, I'm free to do and live any way I want to. But look what Paul says in verse 13. For you were called to freedom, brothers, only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, a lifestyle of license perverts your calling. Christ has set us free, but Christian liberty does not mean we are free to do anything we please. In Jesus, we are not free to sin, but we are free not to sin. That's what Christian liberty is all about. I'm not free to sin. I'm now free where I don't have to sin. I'm free from the power of sin over my life. The good news is we don't have to sin anymore. Now, I'm not saying that we can ever get to the point where we won't sin. We all know that we are imperfect people. There is only one who ever lived who is perfect, and that is Jesus. We're going to sin, but sin's power over us has been broken by Christ's death on the cross, and therefore you and I can have victory over sin. Christian liberty is not a license to sin. It is the freedom not to sin. <clears throat> When we're born again, we are set free in Christ. But if we interpret freedom as a license of sin, we are allowing our sinful nature to remain in control. You see, it's kind of like we've been in this jail cell. And all of a sudden, the jailer, the Jesus in this case, comes, he unlocks the door to the jail cell, he opens the door... But we choose to remain inside. Even though the door is standing there wide open, we sit there in the jail cell, still in bondage. And Christ says, that's not what my freedom was for. Friend, I believe when you come to Christ, God forgives every sin you've ever committed and every sin you'll ever commit. So if I'm forgiven, then why should I run from sin. Why should I worry about sin? One word, consequences. Consequences. You see, forgiveness is God removing the penalty of my sin problem. And what is the ultimate? Eternity in hell. But as a Christian, I still have to face the consequences of my sin in this life. For instance, let me give you two biblical illustrations, two great men of God. Moses, 
Moses sinned against God by showing pride and disobedience. He was forgiven. Moses is in heaven today. But listen, because he sinned, he suffered the consequences of never entering the promised land. King David sinned against God. He was a man after God's own heart. David himself sinned against God. He committed adultery and murder, but yet David was forgiven. David too is in heaven today, but because of sin, David suffered the tragedy and the heartache of a broken and dysfunctional family. And if you take a hammer and nails and you drive them into a board, if you take the claw part of that hammer and pull out every one of those nails, guess what? There are going to be holes left in that board. Those holes are a reminder of the consequences of sin. God can remove the sin from my life, but that doesn't mean I still don't have to deal with the consequences. So if you want a good reason not to sin, if you want good motivation to walk in the liberty that God has given you by not falling into the ditch of legalism or to the ditch of license, I would suggest to you that you remember that every sin has consequences. Yes, God can forgive. Yes, God can forget. Yes, the blood of Christ erases all my sin, but it doesn't erase the consequences. Ben Roethlisberger, as you know, is the quarterback of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Back in uh, 2005, um, he was interviewed on ESPN, um, and a reporter asked him why he rode his motorcycle without a helmet. He said, because you don't have to. It's not the law in Pennsylvania. If it was the law, I'd wear one. You're just more free when you're out there with no helmet on. Less than a year later, a car struck Roethlisberger. He was riding his motorcycle at the time. He was thrown into the windshield of the car and suffered massive injuries. As he was, in, he was in surgery over seven hours while the doctors repaired facial and head injuries he had sustained. From the hospital, he released a statement to the Steeler organization and to his fans in which he said, in the past few days, I've gained a new perspective on life. By the grace of God, I'm fortunate to be alive. If I ever ride a motorcycle again, it will certainly be with a helmet. You see, friend, you're not obligated to keep the whole law. You're not obligated to keep the law of God in order to be accepted by God. But the law is there for a reason. The law is there to protect you. The law is there to give you a better life. And so to simply say, well, I'm saved by grace and all my sins are forgiven. And I know I'm going to heaven one day. There's no doubt about that. You are. But that doesn't mean that if you as a Christian continue to sin, that you're not going to suffer the consequences just like the lost person will. You and I must understand we are not free to sin. We are free not to sin. Sin no longer has power over us. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit of God living in us that we didn't have before we came to know Christ. So, Paul says, don't fall into the ditch of legalism. 
but avoid the ditch of license as well. Legalism is a muddy ditch to the right. License is the muddy ditch to the left. If you want to progress in the Christian life, there's a better lifestyle choice, and that is the lifestyle of love. Look what he says here. He says, the life of liberty is best lived by love. Look in the latter part of verse 13 and verse 14. Paul says, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Friend, freedom means we're free to serve. We're free to be a blessing to others in the name of Christ. Now, back in verse 6, look up there. Paul wrote these words. He says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Paul condensed all the law into one statement. For the whole law was fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Friend, we do actually live the Christian life on the basis of a law, the law of love. That's the law that you and I need to be worried about. That's the law that we are commanded to obey. Love is Christ's commandment to us. He said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. You know, the difference between legalism and holy living is all about motivation. There are three levels of obedience. Level one is fear. I obey God because I'm afraid of what he'll do to me if I don't. Level two is reward. I obey God because I want to earn more blessings from him. Those two levels are legalism. But the third level is love. I want to obey God simply because I love him and I'm grateful for what he's done for me. Friend, that's why we obey God. Because we love him. Paul said the entire law is summed up in the commandment where Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. He added in John 13, a new commandment I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So you want to know what the real test of whether your Christianity is real or not? It's not a question of whether you abide by all these do's and don'ts. The question is, do I love God with all my heart and do I love my neighbor as myself? You see why that is so? If I love God with all my heart and if I love my neighbor as myself, guess what? I'm not going to break the law of God because I love God too much to dishonor him. I love my neighbor too much to hurt them. So therefore, I'm not going to steal. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to uh, commit adultery. I'm not going to do the things the law tells me not to do. And I'm going to live my life in such a way that God sees my heart and he knows my love for him. Friend, love is the outworking of genuine faith. As Christians... You and I need to ask ourselves, is my faith such that it loves God and loves others? And I'm not talking about just your family members. I'm not talking about just your close friends. 
He's not talking about just those people that agree with you and that line up with your view of life. He's saying, do I love my neighbor, which is everyone, as I love myself? I don't have to accept them. I don't have to accept their sin and their sinful lifestyle, but I do have to love them. The important thing, most important thing you and I can do is to love. Sometimes we get so consumed with following a list of do's and don'ts, doing the right things or saying the right things, but all along we fail to demonstrate love. And friend, it's all for nothing. It will not count for anything on Judgment Day. In the story of the Good Samaritan, the first person to see the injured Jewish man was a priest of all people. The most religious person in that day, a priest. The priest comes along, he sees the Good Samaritan, walks right on by. The next person that comes along to see the injured Jewish man was a Levite. He was like an associate pastor in the temple. He was one who assisted the priest. He too walks right on by. Two religious men. Do all obey the law? Did, did the best they could to be obedient to all the do's and the don'ts of the law? But walk right on by the injured man. Then, as you know, along comes a Samaritan man, the least respected man in society. In fact, the Jews hated Samaritans. The Samaritan of the three was the only one who stopped and aided the injured Jewish man. He gives, he bandages his wounds, puts him on his uh, donkey and takes him off to another town, to the closest town. Puts him up in a room, tells the innkeeper, said, look, take care of him, whatever expenses I will pay when I get back. He went out of his way to help the injured man. Friend, Jesus told that story to emphasize that love is not just about what we say, but what we do. It is a picture of faith working through love. We prove the genuineness of our faith by loving our neighbor, by caring for them, by praying for them, by doing things for them, treating them with kindness. Doing such things, we demonstrate that our faith is real and it's genuine. So when your life is rooted in Christ, loving Christ, loving God, and loving others is what ultimately counts. This is the kind of faith that gives us hope that we have truly received the righteousness of Jesus Christ. We don't love to earn God's righteousness. We love because we've received God's righteousness. And out of gratitude for what God has done for us, we love Him with all of our heart. And we love one another as He has loved us. And Paul says, be careful. Don't fall over into the ditch of legalism. Don't veer over to the ditch of license. Stay on the high road of love. For it is love that separates the genuine believer from the one 
who only pretends to know Christ. The other night, Nancy and I were watching the movie Harriet. It depicts the life of Harriet Tubman, the American abolitionist. Harriet Tubman was born into slavery in Maryland. She escaped to Philadelphia in 1849 and subsequently made 13 missions back to Maryland and other places using the network known as the Underground Railroad. She rescued nearly 70 slaves over a period of time, including family and friends, and brought them to freedom. Harriet Tubman said this, Now I've been free. I know what a dreadful condition slavery is. I have seen hundreds of escaped slaves, but I never saw one who was willing to go back and be a slave again. And about freedom, she said, I had reasoned this out in my mind. There was one of two things I had a right to, liberty or death. If I could not have one, I would have the other. Friend, God has saved you that you might be free. And the question Paul was asking those Galatian believers and the question that he asked us today through this letter is, why, if you've experienced the freedom that comes through Christ, would you ever go back into slavery, into the bondage of the law, or into the bondage of license? of living your life by someone else's set of rules, someone else's expectations, and thinking that if I just live up to these things, God will approve of me. God will accept me more than he does right now. When all along, Paul says, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus You have been set free. Can I encourage you something to do this week? When you wake up tomorrow morning, can I encourage you? Don't get dressed and go back into that courtroom that you've been going into every day for years and waiting for a verdict as to whether you're innocent or guilty you've been in the courtroom Jesus was there with you in fact he took the stand and it was he who was on trial and the verdict was handed down this is my son in whom I am well pleased and God the Father has said the same thing about everyone who puts their faith in Christ alone for salvation You are my child, and in you I am well pleased. There's nothing you can do again. Nothing you can add to what Jesus did on the cross that will enable you to be more accepted by God. He accepts you as much today as He ever will, and He's waiting for you to walk in this liberty that He has given us. And the best way to do that is to take the high road of love. Love for God and love for others. And by doing so, 
you prove the reality, the genuineness of your faith. I don't know about you, but I am so glad God in his mercy, God in his love, extended grace to my life. To where I can stand here today and tell you, if it were up to people, there is no way Rick Bird should ever be in a pulpit preaching the Word of God. I am here only because of His grace. And that is true of every one of us. And that's reason for us to stand up and sing and shout hallelujah and praise God for all eternity. Let's pray.